All right, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 today. Two, th- two thoughts come to mind as we sang that, that song this morning, the last song. And a number of our songs today talked about how God is always with us, always for us, takes our terrible circumstances and turns them into something good, which is true, right? Right? And so, we, man, I'm so thankful for that. And, and there are so many times when I come into worship, and I know probably some of you are today, and God has ministered to you through those lyrics because you're thinking, man, my life is really tough right now, and especially the start of school, uh, both for teachers and for students. Um, you know, change of, a number of you are going through some changes in regard to uh, living arrangements and places and jobs. Uh, it, it's just always interesting to me that that message never gets old. It's such a beautiful message. That he never fails us. He's always present. Always, his grace always reaches us. Even when we're in the, in, in, some of you might be feeling uh, oppressed today to some degree because of your sin, your own choices. And you're sitting in that and you're thinking, well, I, I've, I've gotten outside of God's reach. And the good news is he never fails. He continues. He's already made the sacrifice to take care of your sin. And he, he reaches beyond that. And if you're a child of God, then you can just claim, you know, the, the righteousness of Christ. He looks at you and sees Jesus. So yeah, there's, no, there, there's no reason for us to be depressed this morning in regard to uh, life or whatever's going on. That's a hard lesson to learn because all of us have kind of grown up in this same culture that says that, you know, if, if things are going bad in your life, it's a number of, number of issues uh, or a number of responses. First of all, there's an issue that causes it. Right, and that is that you've done something wrong, so God is on getting on you about it, uh, or you're suffering because of your sin. The other, the other response to that is that we think uh, we need to dwell on that negativity, on the on what, the, what the how the flesh responds to that. Now, I'm not saying that we don't all have bad experiences. We do. Now, every person that ever lives in this world, you know, Jesus said clearly, in this world you will have what trouble or tribulation you're going to have it but he says never fear I've, come, I've overcome the world our response to the tribulations that we face in this world should be not fear but thankfulness praise that God's God can take our terrible circumstances and keep the promise that he made that says that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose so that's, a, that's great news for us today as we sing those songs. I hope that that has brought some healing for you today and that, has been, that you've been able to rejoice in those songs that, that God never fails. Not just, and maybe some of you, it's just a matter of today, you're just getting a, a, an intellectual reminder of that and it'll make its way into your heart as the week progresses. But there's another something that really is kind of the focus of our message today. And that is we, we have this good news about God. We've been studying the character of Jesus, just looking at his interactions with people. And for all of us, I mean, I've heard from just about everybody that's, that's regular members of our church that, that there's been some major discovery about Christ that you've had, who he is. And as he shows himself in his interactions with people in the Gospels and how that has changed you and has caused you to, to love God more, to rejoice in God more, to respond to circumstances with the knowledge of who he is and it changes the way you respond in life and what a beautiful uh 
again, blessing for us. But on top of that, I hope you guys are getting this, that this is the ministry that we have in this community. We have a ministry to, to take that. If we're going to be with Jesus and we're going to enjoy Jesus, it's not about us coming here every week and getting a reminder so we can make it through another week. Oh, let's give me something good about Jesus so I can just survive through another week. We are joint heirs with Christ, ambassadors of Christ, witnesses to Christ, of Christ. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to gain this knowledge for the purpose of putting this message out about how good God is. I've never lived in a community that has had more need for, for that understanding. Oh, we know how to do church, and we're going to talk about the difference between that and knowing Christ today. We know how to do church, and we know how to do it well. We know how to do it in a way that, that really makes us look good and, and attracts people. And some of you here today are coming in for the first time to the Gathering Place West. Let me first of all say welcome, because the rest of the message is going to be having you question why you're here. You know, we, we do church in a, in a way that's very inviting, uh, we, you're not going to find judgment here. You're not going to find a lot of expectations here. You're not going to find, you're going to have to find, with God's help, a place to serve. We're not going to put pressure on you to come or show up. We're not, not, not going to make you feel bad when you don't come. It's really going to be you. It's a great place to do church. We've got an awesome worship team, you know, that, that we get to hear every week and enjoy every week. We've got small groups during the week that are very personal and intimate and you know that that uh, are authentic and we tell all in those groups and we feel good about op- having people to open up to that we know we can they'll keep our our stuff confidential but also will give us the words that we need to hear the hard things say the hard things because our groups are small and, and we build we're, you know it's a great community and you who wouldn't be drawn to this kind of community but The reason why you have come today, why you're here, I think you're going you're gonna to have to question yourself today about are you really here for you? Are you really here to, to get something for yourself again? Those of you who are visiting today, are you here to, to change churches because you got tired of where you've been and you want to go somewhere fresh, somewhere different? The majority of what happens in this town really is when a new church is formed, people just flock in from other churches. If that's your goal, this is not the place for you. This is not what we're here for. Uh, really, we, we don't want to fill the seats with people who are looking to shift from another church unless God leads you to come. Now, if God puts you here, that's different. But he's not putting you here to sit. This is a place where you come to, to serve. This is where, a place where we need to wake up, by the way, all of us, to the fact that we are, we are wanting to be at Jesus' right hand, serving loving, expending ourselves in, in, in caring about other people and not about ourselves. So I hope today is good for you, and I hope that you, you grab this message, but just know this. I don't want you to be drawn to this community because you like the people here. I want you to be drawn to Christ, to tune in to him, and just like, we, like uh, Chambers says when our toes are when. When all the pianos are tuned to one tuning fork, then we're automatically tuned to each other. And we're looking for people in this community who, as far as believers are concerned, we're looking for people who are 
who are feeling God drawing them to be in community with people like this. And then we're looking for lost people, people that are out there that are wondering, who have thought, man, I'm, I've, I've been way too bad for God to accept me. There's nothing that, that God, God will not accept me. And we're looking for those people. We're looking for those people who are out there who are, who are desperately trying to make something happen in, in their, with their flesh to try and satisfy something that's in their soul. Because we have the answer. The answer is Jesus. Y'all believe that? Say, oh, yeah. All right. So here we go. Mark chapter 10. Is it hot in here or is it just me? I know some of you have blankets. Then you want to knock that down one notch. We have blankets, by the way. You have to steal one, though. It looks like the basket's empty. Or cuddle up with somebody. Snuggle next to somebody. <laughs> I wish it would get to that, but it won't. Probably won't get down below 72. That's good, man. Uh, thank you, Hal, for handling that. So we're in Mark chapter 10. We're going to look today at Jesus as a servant leader. Now, we're going to look at Jesus as a servant, but we're also going to look at Jesus as a leader. So when I talk about servant leadership today, I'm not talking about necessarily about books you've read about servant leadership. I'm talking about Jesus was a servant, and he led by example, by teaching his disciples to serve. And and we are uh, going to find ourselves in the store today in one of two places. My guess is we're going to find our place, ourselves in the place of the disciples uh, and not in the place of Jesus in this, in this story uh, or in this teaching. But I hope by the end of the service we will at least have a desire in our hearts to make a transition uh, into being more like Christ and that is being a servant leader, responding to him in that way. All right, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. It's like a setup question or a setup statement. You know, sometimes life will come up to me and say, hey, would you do anything I ask? Or do you love me? Yes. Would you do anything I want you to? That means I'm fixing to get it. She's fixing to ask me to do something I don't want to do, right? It's kind of the setup that's going on here. So Jesus, uh, teacher, you know, would you do anything that we ask? And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, so here's James and John asking for a position of priority above everybody else, not only the disciples, but above everyone in the world. They want this position of priority to be at Jesus' right and left hand. 
And I want, to, I want to help you to see what I saw this week. There's a progression of things that goes on here to get them to this point. Now, obviously, we're, we know by Jesus' response that for James and John to ask for a place, special place of priority uh, next to Jesus was a bad thing, right? Does everybody get that? Okay, in this story, this is not a good thing, that they want this position of uh, hierarchy. They want to be above everybody else and sit next to Jesus. And they're still thinking that there's going to be a kingdom that Jesus is going to establish on the earth. They're not hearing him, and you'll see that in a minute. They're not hearing him when he talks about being crucified and and, uh, being arrested and going to Jerusalem to die and to suffer. They're not hearing any of that. They just are not hearing it. He's saying it, but they're not hearing it. And we'll see why maybe in a minute. But there's a progression that leads to this point. The first thing is their flesh rose up. This is something that is not in their spirit that's saying, uh, it's not a spiritual question to ask Jesus, can we sit at your right hand and left hand? They know it. That's why they give them the precursor to the question. The statement that says, hey, if we ask you something, would you just do it? Right? They know it's not a good question. It's coming out of their flesh. They want to be somebody. They, and, and being with Jesus is going to make them somebody. If they can just get what they want out of Jesus, then, then their life will be complete. All right, we're going to stop there for a minute because we need to talk about that. How many of us, when we come to church, when we come to be with Christ, supposedly, do we come out of fleshly reasons? Or how many times when we don't come, do we not come because of fleshly reasons? But particularly, some of you are, want to be a part of the gathering place because it, you think it's going to give you a, well, I don't know, maybe you don't. You think it's going to give you a name. <laughs> oh, yeah, I go to the gathering place. I mean, it is starting to be cool among some people to be a gathering place member, to be one of our churches. Only the, the real nerds, Hebrew professors and the like, uh, to be a part of the gathering place. But, but why are you here? Are you here for yourself? Are you hoping to get something for yourself every time you walk in the door? I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is running, this idea or this problem is running rampant in Christian circles. It's so hard to keep people within the body because they're so interested in going to everywhere they go for themselves. Well, I just didn't like the song today. Maybe we should try another church. You know, that that pastor said something kind of offended me. I think I'm out. You know, or the pastor didn't take care of something that I wanted him to take care of. So let's get out. We're out of here. We're not here for Jesus. You know, we're we're here for for whatever whatever else it is. We are guilty of this same thing, of letting our flesh rise up. And here's what happens. The same thing that happened with the disciples. The first thing is the flesh rises up inside of us, but we don't usually act on it on our own. Here's what happens to the disciples. We find it in Matthew's gospel. Their mom supported it. Their mom was all for it. Matter of fact, we don't really know how this story happened because there's a little bit of a, not a contradiction, but there's a, we've got to figure out how it happened because Matthew's gospel covers it a little different way. The mom comes up to Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Look at it. Matthew 20, 20 and 21. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Here's a mama doing what mamas do. 
Okay, this is what my mama does. If you ever come up to my mom and say, man, we're so blessed to have your, husband, your son as a pastor, she would say, I know, isn't he wonderful? She wouldn't say, oh, thank you. She would say, I know, isn't he wonderful? She is that person. She's, I mean, she's, she's giddy about me for whatever reason. I'm her favorite of four. She tells all the other ones that too, but she tells me that every time I go. That's, that's what moms do. So mom wants her sons to be at the right hand and left hand of Jesus. They, she wants her sons to be lifted up to a place of priority. You know, my mom was that way all through my life. Whatever I'm doing, you know, they're not giving me enough attention. They're not, they don't appreciate me enough. That's what moms do, right? So, so mom is supporting this. You think that makes it better or worse for James and John? It makes it worse. When, when you know you're not that good of a speaker and your mom keeps saying, oh, he's really good, and you keep believing it, don't you? And you step up and you speak again, and everybody else is going, well, what is wrong with him? And then somebody will finally say, well, it's his mom. She keeps egging him on. He just, you know, he thinks he's good because mom is supporting him. But isn't it true, too, when our flesh rises up and we want to be a, we, we are going to church, or we're going to be a part of a Christian community, we're, we're serve, supposedly serving Christ, so it's whatever we do that, that we call religion or religious, whatever we do for our, and call it our relationship with God, isn't it true that when we rise up in the flesh, we want to do something or be something and make a name for ourselves in Jesus' name, that there's always people rising up beside us? I think that's why the church is in the kind of trouble it's in now. Because there's always a community of people that say, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's make this, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build ourselves up. And all the while, Jesus is trying to be who he is to us and to the community. And we, don't have, no, we have nothing to say except, wow, wasn't that a great service? Or don't we have a great church? Or, or isn't that a, a great speaker? Or isn't our worship team awesome? Or whatever. Or I got to do whatever in church. Or, you know, I, we, we are making a name for ourselves, and we can easily move beyond just the flesh that rises up inside of all of us and find people that will support us in that problem. And so that happened with John and James. Another thing they did is they discussed it among themselves. They had already discussed this idea and had already been rebuked for it. The chapter before this, in Mark chapter 9, in verses 33 through 35, they were coming into Capernaum. And the Bible says this in verse 33. And when they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what, are you dis- what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. <laughs> Why? Because they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if any, of, any one of you would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. They already knew Jesus didn't approve of them even talking about this. They were discussing it among themselves. And when he asked them, what were you discussing? They, they got nothing. Breakfast. Yeah. They're trying to hide it. Again, they know it's flesh that's rising up, that it's all about them, that what they're doing in the name of Jesus is about them. They're trying to find a place, a position of, of high priority to be over everybody else, make a name for themselves. They know they're doing that. And Jesus asks them, and they said nothing. And then Jesus calls them out. He said, I'll tell you this. If you guys want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be a servant of all. So, busted. (laughs) 
you forget I'm Jesus. <laughs> I know what you were saying even though I didn't hear you. Right? But that's, that's what happens. We then begin to discuss it, around, and discuss it among ourselves. We talk to, some of you are here today, and it's good. This is good. You're here today because somebody invited you, because they had a good experience here. Probably. Maybe it was because they found Jesus here in a way they never have before. I hope that that's the truth. Right? But you're here today because somebody said something, and it was discussed. And sometimes the reason why we go to churches and the reason why we switch from one church to another is because we've, we can make a name for ourselves and be among the elite people who are at a part of that church or, or we can be a part of the program that's so impressive that that church has. And, and, and the discussion around town is, you know, all the really hip people are going here. They probably don't use hip. That's old school. But isn't that true? And we talk about it. But if Jesus was to come and ask, what are y'all talking about? All of a sudden, I think we would have this come to Jesus moment. <laughs> right? Where we, he said, what are y'all talking about? And we were discussing uh, how we like the worship or how we don't like the worship in another place. We like it better over here. Or we like the, the way this church does whatever. And, and we like the fact that we're building this big building. And man, come see the building. Isn't it impressive? Jesus asked us, what were we doing? I think probably all of us would be quiet. We'd just be quiet. Oh, we were talking about how cool, how good you are. Yeah, you know, we were talking about how awesome it is to be your child and sharing that with each other. Man, shouldn't that be true? But it's not. So many of us are following this same progression. We, 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 flesh rises up. We find somebody to support us in it. And then... We talk about it or discuss it. And then they became consumed by the thought. They, they, they became so consumed by this thought that even after the rebuke, they continued to talk about it and came to Jesus and asked the question. They were so consumed by this thought of being somebody and how Jesus could make them somebody special, somebody of importance in the community, somebody that uh, would make a name for themselves, that they didn't even hear when Jesus was talking about his death right before this encounter. Look at it. Chapter 10, verses 32 and 34. They didn't even hear Jesus say this. They're still thinking he's going to build a kingdom. How could they think that after this? Look. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to them, to him, saying, See, we are going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Oh, Jesus, can we be at your right hand? Yeah, yeah. Are y'all hearing what is going on? They're not asking about being at his right hand to die. But he's about to let them know that's what it is if you're going to be at his right hand. There's, there, they didn't even hear him say that. It was like, it's, okay, yeah, yeah. But, but can James and I be, you know, big cheese? Can we be the vice presidents? They were so consumed by this idea. Listen, stay with me, church. Y'all with me? Say, oh, yeah. This is what we need to hear out of this progression. We all do this. 
It's what we do. We talk about churches like they don't belong to Jesus. We talk about buildings like they're what's significant. We talk about uh, preachers like they make the church. We talk about programs like they're the, that's the thing that's going to make a difference in the world. We don't talk about Jesus like he's what matters. And that flesh rises up, and we talk about it. We discuss it, and we get our support, and we, we build it up. And then we, we, we get to this point where we can't even hear Jesus anymore. It, it was so funny this past week. Talitha and I were in, in Ruston, and we were talking about we were making a decision. We asked them to pray for this week about whether we were going to continue to meet and if that would become a church or not. We asked them to pray. At the end of uh, uh, well, this week, I asked them how that was going, and they all responded that they wanted to continue to meet and do community, but they didn't want to be leaders. Or they didn't feel led to, to be like they were prepared to be a church leader. And I thought about that after it was all said and done, because to me, they said two things that contradicted each other. If you're saying you want to do, build community in Christ together, you are a church leader. But they were thinking, I'm sure, oh, we have to go to meetings every week. We have to be over the, you know, we have to prepare Bible lessons for people. We have to uh, be on committees. Uh, we have to, to go to the church seven or eight times a week. We have to do all these things. They were thinking wrong about the church because that's what we communicate to people. We communicate that you have to be somebody. In order to be a leader, you have to be important and have to do stuff all the time. Not that you have to be the one that walks with Jesus. That's committed to just abiding Christ and let him produce his fruit through you. A leader at the gathering place, you look at our elders and you're going to say, not much. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Amen, elders? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to people sometimes. They say, why is he an elder? You know, because they used to seeing men that would, they're very confident, they'll stand before people and say, this is how it's going to be and give a lot of money to the church and be people of prestige in the community. We're all losers. We are. I mean, I mean that in the nicest kind of way. I don't think any of my elders feel offended by that. Right, elders? We're, we're nobodies. You know how long it took us to get to be nobodies? A long time because we thought we were something. Because we were rising up to try and be somebody. And when I was serving in, in, in a capacity where I was speaking before thousands of people and, people, and my name was on a program, I thought I was somebody, and I never enjoyed the relationship I had with Christ. I, I was James and John. And my mama was saying, take him. Bring him up high. <laughs> it blows me away at how far we've gone in this progression. When something in your flesh is rising up to take advantage of Jesus, it's ultimately going to make its way out. The question is, how many, of, how many ways are we going to try to gain power and position or advantages for our flesh in Jesus' name? How many times are we going to continue to do that? God forbid that this ever becomes that kind of church. Elders, we have a responsibility to make sure it doesn't. Church, you have a responsibility to hold us accountable for that. A second thing, Jesus shows them the reality of what they were asking, and he changes their perspective. So the rest of this passage, he shows them the reality of what they were asking, and then he changes their perspective. He does it, first of all, by asking a question. Verse 38, Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He asked the question. And Jesus is aware that they had not heard what he had just said. <laughs> and, and so he's about to, to remind them of the cup that he's drinking and the baptism which he's going to be baptized with that he just said in Capernaum. It's a, it's a baptism of, of suffering. It's a cup of death. It's a cup of arrest and beatings and being spat upon, being killed. I'm going to suffer and die. Do you still want to be on my right and left? That's a question we need to answer today. Because when Jesus looks at us, he's saying the same thing. We're going to have to suffer and die. Are we willing to sit on Jesus' right and, and left if it costs us something? Or are we just expecting it's going to cost us nothing? I've got to be honest with you, for so, for so long, man, we, we looked for churches personally that would cost us nothing. Some of you are here because you think this church is going to cost you nothing. And, and we're not going to make you do anything. But the question is, do you want to be at Jesus' right hand? Do you really want to be at Jesus' right hand because it's going to cost you something? Ultimately, Jesus says, yes, it's true. You are going to suffer. You are going to be, drink the cup that I'm drinking and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But let me describe for you what it is. And number one, it's suffering. In those last hours that Jesus had with his disciples in the upper room in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says this in verse 18 of chapter 15 of John. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep your words. Now, we don't suffer here nearly as much as people do in other parts of the world for our belief in Christ. But I guarantee you their faith is a lot stronger than ours as a result. They know who they have put their faith in. And they suffer because of that. And, and I'm not asking you to go out and make a, a fool of yourself and offend people and get people to cuss you out because you're being offensive. That is not what he's saying here. But he is saying, if you're going to be at my right hand, my left hand, if you're going to abide in me, you're going to walk with me through life, you're going to be persecuted for doing good. Jesus wasn't persecuted for doing something wrong. He was persecuted for doing something right. We're doing everything right. It was the religious people that persecuted him. And we're going to be persecuted too if we just simply want to walk with Christ. It's going to happen. Look at what Peter says about suffering in 1 Peter 2.20. He says, For what credit is it if when you sin you're beaten for it and you endure? But if you, are, if you do good and suffer for it uh, and, and suffer for it and you, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Why? He says, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he was suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself 
to him who judges justly. So here's, here's Peter telling us that Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Part of being a servant of the world, part of being a servant of people is that when someone offends you, you don't return offense. You take that. It's being persecuted for Christ's sake. So when somebody says, oh, y'all are doing everything wrong, or oh, you just don't love God, or you know, something's wrong with you personally, uh, all you talk about is Jesus. Or, you know, you're always happy even when things are going wrong. That can't be real. You know, when you start being persecuted for doing good things, for loving people, for not gossiping with other people about people, for instead standing in, the, on the, in their defense, standing in defense of those who are, who are hurting, standing in defense for the sinner, being seen with sinners around town, hanging out with people that are notorious sinners. You're going to get a reputation that way. You're going to be persecuted ultimately by religious people for doing that. Jesus says, don't consider that to be weird. If, you persecute, if you're persecuted for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. This is what we're called to, church. And so Jesus is saying that to James and John. You guys want to be in my right hand and left hand? All right, here's what it's going to do. Can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Yes, you can, and you will be persecuted if you're at my right hand. Let's get the picture straight. We're not talking about you rising up and making a name for yourself. We're talking about you loving me so much that you're willing to risk your life. You love me so much that you're willing to walk with me regardless of the kind of persecution you feel or that you you experience. So Jesus is making it clear to them. There's suffering involved if they're going to follow him. Now, next in the story, we see the results of these men seeking personal gain in the name of Jesus. Look at it, verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant to James and John. Any surprises there? Oh, somebody in the church got a position of authority. The rest of us are mad. Can't believe they're letting him be an elder. Can't believe they're letting that person step up and be whatever. When you're all about making a name for yourself, you can't stand to see somebody else rise up to a position that you hope that you had. I, I got to tell you, this, this hit me hard this week because you know what I do all the time? I, I'm ashamed to confess it, but I'm vulnerable too, so here we go. When I hear another preacher, when I hear somebody talking about another preacher and how good their sermon was, immediately my flesh rises up and says, well, what about me? You never talk about my sermons. Isn't that sad? Man, that is such a sick thing. I, I know that's flesh rising up, and I'm not, I'm not telling you that so that you'll come to me and pump that up. So don't come to me after the day and say, that was a really good sermon. <laughs> All right, because I don't need anybody pumping that up. I need to push that down. I need to ask God to remove that from my life. Because all that does is when somebody else who loves God and is called to, be, to serve God in a place that maybe gives them some attention, and nobody notices the gathering place, that, I, that I'm good with that. But when I'm trying to be somebody, that's the result. Jesus shows them the result. They all start fighting about it. Now, do I really need to make an application about that verse? We see it all around us. Goliath and I went through a small town on the way back from uh, Arkansas this weekend. We're driving through this little town. And when we drove into the town, we saw three signs. The first sign said population 762, right? 
762. The second sign, it's very small, so 762. And most of them pro- apparently didn't live in the town because there was a grocery store, I think. Gas station, grocery store combination. Then we do a little turn, and on the right-hand side, we see First Baptist Church. Isn't that nice? That was the second sign we saw. So population 762, First Baptist Church. I happened to glance to the left. I had to go back to show Talatha. She took pictures. But to the left, there was another sign, a third sign. Anybody want to guess what it said? <laughs> y'all saw it. Did y'all see it on Facebook? Don't be cheaters. Second Baptist Church. 762 people. Most of them out in the woods somewhere. I'm sure there's a lot of other churches, but it just kind of struck me as, isn't that where we are? Isn't that what happens when we try to make a name for ourselves? And, and churches are breaking up all over the place, and they're not breaking up because they love Jesus too much. And I understand that there's bad leadership. I, I hope that you would not have been in the church that I was pastoring, but that you would have said, I want to go see Jesus somewhere because that guy's all about himself. I don't have to go somewhere else to find that. I've seen it in my own life. But we want to be about Jesus at the gathering place. And what we've got to realize is that if we're trying to make something of ourselves, people, don't, they don't recognize Jesus. They recognize us. They see us. And it causes problems in the church. It doesn't cause solutions. Let's see where I am. I lost myself. There it is. All right. So why is that? We're consumers. We want what we want. Some of you are here today because you want what you want. Some of you will come back next week because you want what you want, and this is what you want. But Jesus gives them another characteristic of what it looks like to sit by his side in the kingdom. Not only is it going to cause suffering, and I would ask you to ask that question. Are you willing to obey Christ, walk with him, to abide in Christ, regardless of how difficult it might be, and regardless of the fact that people you may have to suffer to do it? Not only will it mean suffering unjustly, but will also mean serving people. Did everybody hear that statement? It means serving people. Jesus makes it clear. Verse 42 to 44. Jesus called, to, called them to him and said to them, You know that there are those who, who, uh, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. He's saying, all right, I know what you guys are thinking. You're thinking this is going to be like the lords of the Gentiles who they lord over people and they they rise above them and their underlings also have great authority over people. And you're thinking this is going to be that. But Jesus says this, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Are you still, you still feeling drawn to be by Jesus' side now, disciples? Slave of all? Servant of all? I, I imagine if, if James and John were listening this time, they're crawling under the table because he's talking to them. You guys want to be the best? Okay, here's the best. Serve everybody. All of you who are fighting, the rest of you disciples are fighting because you didn't get to ask the question or because they were bold enough to say what y'all were feeling. You want to be somebody? Serve everybody. Be servant of all. 
to be by Jesus' side, to say, I want to be close, closest to him. I want to be connected to him. I want to be a part of his kingdom. That, for us, that means that we are, we are not making a name for ourselves at all. We are blessing people. And it doesn't matter whether we ever get a name. It doesn't matter whether anybody ever notices us. Jesus makes it clear. Church, we need to answer that question. Are we really, are we really here today? Because we're, we want to serve God's people? It's okay if we're not. Please don't go out of here feeling guilty and try and change yourself. The way to realize, the way to change is just to love God. Is to realize Jesus is a servant of all and desire to be like him. Because of the, what he does, how that fruit plays out in your life. How beautiful life is, man, and how abundant it is when we're like Christ. And so I'm asking you, church, are we blessing people? Instead of watching out for ourselves all the time, getting what we want, getting what we need, are we, are we really interested in blessing people? Beginning with prayer, listening to them, eating with them, serving them, and then sharing the gospel. Are we really doing like Jesus did? Paul describes it as this, considering others as better than yourselves. That's where 90% of the fights happen in churches is we don't consider others as better than us. We consider them as less than us. Are we willing to lose our own rights for the sake of others? I probably talked to some of you out of coming to the gathering place. Maybe some of you that have been members for a while. I've been around a while. But this is what we're going to be about. Y'all agree with that? Say, oh, yeah. We're not trying to be somebody. We're not trying to, to, to develop a, a marketable ministry plan. The only reason we have this building and we even come together and worship is because God said do it. But it's going to be about him at the gathering place. And, and we're going to try to keep that up all the time. I, I hope that... I don't fail you as a pastor to continue to lead you in that direction. And in case you were thinking that Jesus expected more of his disciples than he would expect of himself, the last verse, verse 45, says this, even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't it interesting that the most selfless person that ever lived on the face of the earth has sold more books than any book that's ever been written. Has had more followers than any person that's ever been followed. Isn't it crazy? That the humility of Christ ended up giving him what the disciples wanted. And being next to Jesus, you want to, look, you may rise up in fame by being a nobody. Does that make sense? <laughs> when we just love Jesus, you know what, man, that's attractive. People are drawn to that. I, I hope that what will happen in this church is that today you will make a commitment to not be here for yourself. You'll make a commitment to be here early to bless new people that walk in the door. And that when you walk in, you get your donut and coffee. That's good. Get one for everybody else too. But be about everybody else. This, if we will serve and love the way Christ loved, never expecting anything in return, but always giving, then, then we are going to draw people. They're going to be drawn to us, and then we can push them to Jesus. Ultimately, that's what happened with the disciples. What Jesus said in his prophetic statement about James and John, he says, the truth is, they said, yes, we can. We can drink your cup. We can uh, 
and be baptized with your baptism. Jesus said, yeah, you can, and you will. In case you were wondering, you are. And here's what it's going to look like. Suffering and slavery. So get ready for it. Man, I'm so thankful that Jesus serves us. I'm so thankful that we have a servant leader who bears with our desire to be somebody, doesn't condemn us, but teaches us like he did James and John, that we can learn from his lesson today what it means to be a leader. And I want us to be leaders like Christ. Make his name big. Let's pray. Father, you heard what I just said, and I hope that that is the testimony of our church. We want your name to be made big. Father, I pray that when people hear the name of the gathering place, they won't think, wow, what a great church, but they'll, they'll think, wow, those people love Jesus, and they serve like it. God, some of us are suffering, and we're suffering because we are following you and being obedient, and our families don't understand, our neighbors don't understand, the churches we come from don't understand, but we've, we've determined to be like you and to be around you to be by your side. I pray for resolve. That our hearts today would be resolved to suffer and to serve. That nothing would break us of that. That we wouldn't serve because we get something back for it. That we wouldn't serve because it, it, uh, it makes us look good. But Father, that we would serve and suffer as necessary to be able to reveal the truth about who you are to a community that desperately needs to hear it. I pray that we will work with your Holy Spirit to kill the flesh as soon as it rises up and that this progression that we talked about today of flesh will never happen for us that we won't allow people or find people to support it and discuss it and then become consumed by what we can be or who we can be and how we can be known finally rising up to, to squelch out even your voice when you speak to us but instead we realize what it means to share your cup be baptized with your baptism and to buy in and to walk with you. Thank you for the call that you have for us to be disciples. Thank you that you invite us to come to you and to be your, your disciples. Thank you that that yoke is easy, that burden is light, doesn't require a bunch of stuff, just requires a heart that's on fire for you. And so give us those hearts and produce your fruit through our lives. We pray in Jesus' name.